Live from the Motor City, all the way to the Volunteer State, it's time for the Reckless Speculation Podcast, where we recklessly speculate the latest news in the world of sports. From college football to NASCAR, we've got you covered. And don't forget to stick around for the world-famous Bet Your Nuts, where we will give you your best bets to make the most money. Now sit back, grab your favorite drink of choice, and join Robbie Davis, Raj Mehta, Brandon Chain, and Tom Sloan. It's showtime. What's happening, everyone? This is Raj, and I am your host for today. Um, hold on while I open up my snob water real quick. I'm as the host, I'm staying sober tonight, so I'm in a delicious Topo Chico, who is not a sponsor of ours, and if they have a problem, they can, you know what? But I just wanted to say welcome to everyone. Uh, this week, we actually have a special episode, and by special, I mean, you know, that each of us has our favorite teams that we wax not so prophetically about every week, and you guys are subject to listening to this. Um, for once, you know, Tom is a University of Michigan fan, uh, true and true, go blue, born and raised in the Detroit area. And, you know, Michigan obviously is at the epicenter of the sporting world, of the college football world, and not only on the field, uh, which they more than back up no matter who's on the sidelines, but off the field. And this week we have a special guest. Her name is Michelle, and you will see her Twitter handle shortly. Michelle. Uh, did her undergrad at the University of Michigan, from what I understand, and like Robbie and I, she graduated from law school, but she is smart. Uh, she went to Berkeley, uh, got her JD there, so basically took the LSAT, which Rob and I took, and it's out of 180, I believe, and I think she got 197, so probably double what Rob and I got combined, but regardless, we wanted some insight into someone obviously educated, but specifically educated on the topic as well. And we wanted to get into that, the latest updates in, in Ann Arbor on Jim Harbaugh himself, perhaps on the future of Jim Harbaugh, and eventually discussing Michigan as a program and specifically what looms for them this Saturday and you know from beyond, hopefully, for them. Uh, so without further ado, I will introduce the crew to, uh, I guess, my first introduction, right? Producer extraordinaire Tom is going to be Michelle. Michelle, oh, it's Tom. Excuse me. <laughs> According Hello. to the note, it does say special guest introduction first. So oh. Tom and Michelle will collectively introduce the University of Michigan Brain Trust. How are you both? Michelle first, how are you? I am doing wonderfully. Thank you so much. So happy to be here. Awesome. We're stoked to have you, Tom. Uh, yes, uh, excited to have a fellow Wolverine fan uh, on my side tonight in, instead of every uh, the opposite. So this should be a lot of fun. Oh, yeah, like everybody hates Michigan, and we just dug. I mean, hey, we're America's team now. <laughs> if, you, if you were Alabama and you had that kind of heat, then, yes, we'd be all over you. But, yeah, you are. Now it's Michigan versus air, buddy, so we know how it is. Yeah. Um, up next is going to be our good friend, Brandon Chain, I believe. Chain, 
Ohio State Buckeye, uh, nice shirt. Uh, hey, it's it's Ohio against the world, not Michigan against uh, the world. Let's go now. Come no, on. Don't, don't steal the thunder. <laughs> yeah. Robbie and I, with our collective eight lost schools, are really, really weeping for you both. And, you know, we hope <laughs> just the best for you. Uh, but, yeah, and last but not least, Robert Davis, I, how are you? And I was – I was wow. told this was going to be a college basketball preview show. No. We're talking about football. Well, we can we can talk about our Michigan hoops. Yeah. Three and oh. Uh, yeah. I think you, you need you to remove basketball. one of those degrees from the wall if you got the wrong show, you dumbass. <laughs> just kidding. Um, but without further ado, I mean, let's just jump right into it. Uh, Tom, I'm going to start with you in terms of, and I'm going to let you. You're the most knowledgeable, you and Michelle, on the topic. So you guys feel free to run it, and, and I'll interrupt as I do often. Uh, but, you know, Tom, what's the latest in Ann Arbor? Um, what's the last second up to date? You know, the last I had kind of checked in was injunction time and, you know, basically to explain, you know, the temporary restraining order and, and any tactic Michigan can throw in there to kind of get Harbaugh on the sideline for the time being. Where where does that stand? Well, the, the, the hearing is – Friday at the uh, Washtenaw District Court. And um, so they're going to be hearing both sides from what I understand. Uh, the Big Ten is going to be a representative, uh, Michigan, obviously. And the other day, Jim Harbaugh made a comment that he was going to be there and he might testify. I think he's kind of backtracked on that since the comment. Um, so it's unknown as to whether or not he is going to be there. Uh, that could be uh, made for TV <laughs> if he was to testify. Uh, that would be uh, priceless to hear. But um, uh, then the latest uh, that came out not too long ago is that there was a Freedom of Information Act request, and it, it came out to find that Connor Stanley's did not expense anything, um, any type of purchase. So uh, what that means towards the case, towards Jim Harbaugh, remains to be seen. But um, Michelle, I think you've got some you've got some other information or, or knowledge uh, that you want to share. Sure. So a few things. Uh, one is there's some speculation floating around that this may actually resolve before Friday uh, that the Big Ten, Michigan, and Fox who is definitely an interested party, may all be in discussions to try to settle this before it gets to the hearing. If that doesn't happen and a hearing proceeds, my guess is that it might be private. I, I've heard a lot of people wanting to go, see what happens, see what's said. Um, I think there's a chance, especially since we haven't seen the briefing from the parties on this topic, that this may all be being handled by the court under seal confidentially, which which would make sense, especially given the pending NCAA investigation occurring in parallel. So that's something to keep an eye on, right? Even if Jim Harbaugh testifies, it, it may be the case that none of us actually know what he testifies about or to. Um, so quickly, when you had said that, that's a great point to kind of explain to a lot of people that there are two, if you will, litigations, actions, causes of action, whatever have you, things going on, not only with the Big Ten, Jim Harbaugh, uh, and there's also what the NCAA is pursuing. And 
how do those two things, you know, what jurisdictions kind of apply, like who adjudicates what in, you know, in, in lay person's terms for the rest of us. Um, it just seems like it should be one big room and everybody throws stuff at each other, but it's a very complex situation. And then in the end, I don't even know which one would trump if one decision went this way and the other went that way. So the NCAA is technically, and Michigan argued this point in its response to the Big Ten, the NCAA is technically supposed to go first. And then the Big Ten is supposed to have the right after the NCAA imposes any penalties to add on to those penalties. And the problem or the risk of the Big Ten doing its thing in parallel with the NCAA doing its thing is that they might actually reach different conclusions. And that makes both institutions look bad, right? So say the Big Ten rushes to judgment here, goes through all of this, suspends Jim Harbaugh, maybe continues to impose penalties like a you know conference championship ban or something like that. And the NCAA takes a look at the evidence, maybe examines what came out today, right? As a result of this FOIA request, um, maybe also reconsiders the in-person scouting law, which I think is a very real possibility in light of some heat that has now come upon the NCAA from an antitrust perspective based on challenges Michigan may be raising from that angle. Also, you know, the fact that it's a very antiquated law, like there's a chance that this in-person scouting rule doesn't survive through 2024. And then what, it, what does the NCAA do then, right? They repeal or revise this bylaw. Um, but the Big Ten has already rushed to judgment and already penalized Michigan sort of effectively for violating that bylaw in addition to the, you know, um, sportsmanship policy. So there's, mm -hmm. there's a reason why the NCAA has said, we'd like to go first here. And the Big Ten, in my view, is disregarding that and creating the possibility for a lot of chaos as a result. I mean, theoretically, I'm, I'm going to ask Rob real quick, like theoretically, the NCAA, and they've been known to drag their feet, right? Like, and, and not care as much and sort of put a stall tactic and, and that type of thing. And I'm sure Big Ten and, the, and Michigan seem to be aligned in kind of what, at least not on the surface, but it seems as if they kind of both want the same thing. And that would be adjudication one way or the other, uh, preferably in the favor of their benchmark program, but they've never said that. So. Yeah, so I, I'm trying to take myself away because, like, obviously, I'm the outsider. I don't have no ties to the Big Ten or Michigan. Um, and I talked about this Saturday with Tom. Uh, the bit and what Michelle was getting, I think, and if I'm if I'm misstating, please let me know. The by the Big Ten going first and them declaring wrongdoing, they've essentially said the NCAA. If you don't follow our findings then you're essentially barney five like you don't know what you're doing and so the big 10 has jumped the gun and said you're guilty and now the ncaa is going to come because ncaa is the institution that monitors these schools like so the conference commissioners are there to act in the good faith of the conference and the member institutions the ncaa is there to regulate and the big 10 Commissioner has now jumped into regulatory behavior. And now the NCAA, they, they almost rest judicata has been like, you're already found guilty. Uh, uh, Michelle, I have a question though. 
When you said There's more than three attorneys, well, two and a half on this thread. Res yeah. judicata, you're gonna have to quickly. Yeah, yeah exactly. res judicata just means like I feel like I'm a first year law student just yelling that for no reason. Yeah, if you've already been found guilty, you're you're adjudicated to be guilty. So everything else is good, just just on punishment. Michelle, question for you: You said the bit or Fox is in, involved in these negotiations. Yeah, are they threat? And this is sorry, we're gonna get a little nerdy law stuff. Is That's why Fox, we're here. Is Fox threatening to interplead into this and say, because they're the ones really suffering irreparable harm of the three entities. Like they're the ones that I think have the best case. I think they've got an interference with contract claim on the Big Ten. Um, if if the Big Ten does anything to, well, I, I think it goes two ways, right? If the Big Ten does anything to force Michigan to exit the conference, which is a real oh. possibility, yeah. right? Well, that boom goes to dynamite. Oh yeah, that's why Fox is deeply, deeply interested in what's happening here. But I think even a level above that, if the game is compromised, if the Big Ten championship is compromised, if Michigan's playoff appearance possibilities are compromised, Fox is interested. Like. Fox and Michigan are financially tied in a very, very meaningful way. And I think that is showing up here. And I think Fox has, frankly, legitimate legal arguments based on the contracts it has with the Big Ten to be an interested and involved party. Well, and this is where it gets interesting because Fox has contracts with the Big Ten. The Big Ten has a member school of Michigan. If Michigan loses, the Big Ten is still on that contract hook with Fox. Michigan oh. isn't necessarily on that hook, I don't think. No. and and But I'm sure Michigan is probably a material Asset. term. But here's where it gets crazy is the thing about ESPN, right? Like the fact that ESPN knew about Harbaugh's suspension – before Harbaugh knew about Harbaugh's suspension and Michigan knew about Harbaugh's suspension suggests to me that ESPN is applying pressure to the big 10. First of all, because they called a suspension early on, they didn't want to look like fools. So I'm guessing they pressure Petiti and they're like, make sure this goes forward. you got to do something, but think about who benefits if Michigan Mm -hmm. leaves the big 10. Who has the SEC media rights? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, if you don't mm-hmm. think that, like the the millions and millions, if not billions of dollars that are flowing out of college football are not acting and influencing mm-hmm. this situation, like you're delusional. I, it's it's very cynical to view this all through that lens, but you sort of have to. And I think honestly, the Big Ten leaking this to Pete Thamel before Michigan heard about it is the clearest evidence that media is deeply involved and deeply interested and deeply influential in what is happening. Oh, it's, it's been totally evident. We talked about this the other night, uh, how much the media has influenced this and kept the ball rolling with, you know, all these stories here and there. Sources. Uh, sources. Sources. Just keep it fresh in the media and keep it, you know, a hot topic and, you know, all eyes on that. So it's definitely been influenced by the media. I mean, in this day and age, what is not, uh, you know, they, they kind of control the narrative, whatever way they want to. So let me ask. Yes, uh, definitely has a big hand in that. 
Sorry, Brandon. He, he speaks to like kickback, like having a cigar and, and a cocktail that <laughs> never know when to interject or not. Like, there we go. There's a cocktail hour. Can't believe I'm the fucking sober one. Sorry, Michelle. We're not much for journalistic integrity. We like to drink and I drop a lot of F bombs. Okay, I'm glad I can drink wine. I'm drinking some rose. I hope that's all right. Oh, oh yeah. No. Okay. That's not very Michigan of you. I'm just kidding. That's more Northwestern of you. But uh, hey, now that I'm a member of the Big Ten, I uh, I can take part of the, the inside and outside, the, the jibs and jabs. But asking you and Rob, what if everything goes down and there's all sorts of, you know, this person says this is court entity and they're all butting heads and, you know, it would appear as a contradiction. What happens? Like literally what happens? I mean, into the best of your ability to speculate in this unprecedented matter. Do you want to go first or let me go first? I don't think I understand the question. So uh, meaning that like if the NCAA says this and that contradicts what the Big Ten and Fox and them say and – you know, yeah, I mean, the actual consequence will just, I think, be reputational because it's going to be there's going to be at least a year or more span between what the Big Ten has done here and what the NCAA ultimately does. I think the, the only actual practical harm is that the NCAA or the Big Ten or both will look foolish by reaching inconsistent conclusions. Um, but it would be crazy. Like I've thought about this before. So you guys know that scene in Jurassic Park where they're like trying to escape and like they're running from the velociraptors and then the Tyrannosaurus Rex like snatches the velociraptors. <laughs> like right now it feels like they're eating like, each other from the inside. Yeah, right. But like they're ultimately saved by the fact that like their enemies are enemies of one another too. Um, well played. Well played. I, wondered if this is not a scenario where the NCAA watches what the Big Ten is doing, mm. believes there may be some sort of risk that there is an incon inconsistent conclusion reached or that the Big Ten is interfering with the NCAA investigation. Because now this is all going to get litigated. Discovery is going to happen. The NCAA investigation is supposed to be confidential. This has like blown it up to a magnitude the NCAA, I'm sure, does not care for. Now the NCAA may be challenged on an antitrust front. I wonder if this is not a situation where the Velociraptor and the Tyrannosaurus Rex consume one another and like mm -hmm. Michigan, you know, the human escapes. <laughs> I well, don't know. Well, even before the discovery is going to happen, so there's going to be a TRO hearing. And look, both sides are their their briefs are ready for the court of appeals, and so whoever loses this, they're going to appeal it, and then there's going to be is there an automatic stay on whatever ruling it is? So it's going to be for the next two or three weeks. Is it going to happen? Is it not going to happen? And literally court to court, it's going to be um, a mess, and then the Big Ten's going to try to remove it to federal court because. Obviously, Michigan filed it in a Michigan-friendly jurisdiction, um, which is smart, and the Big Ten knows that. And like, it's it's just gonna be so messy. And this was so avoidable based on the crime, like, because this is what we talked about. Like, because what what's happening is they're saying so. Jim Harbaugh, they're gonna say. Well, we're getting we're getting more into the TRO and the irreparable harm later, but basically, 
the Big Ten's punishing Michigan by suspending their coach, but that's not punishing Michigan. That's punishing an individual. And so, because if you want to punish Michigan, you fine them or you suspend the chancellor or the president or whatever the situation up is in, is in an arbor or the athletic director, but you just, or, or the coordinators or someone that you have connection to, they just arbitrarily picked one person to suspend them without any ties to it. And it's going to be hard to, to, to prove how this is justified. So will we, will we get an answer Friday, whether or not Harbaugh is going to be able to uh, be on the sidelines as early as Saturday? No. Um, depend, depend. I, unless they settle beforehand, which yeah. is what everyone's hoping for. This is just a nothing but a spectacle at this point. This is stupid. Uh, it, in my opinion, it's bad for business on both parties, Big Ten, Fox, all parties involved. This is just bad for business. It's a bad look. Uh, you know, whatever the let them do their investigation or settle it out of court. Let them be suspended for three games and let's just get it over with and stop talking about it. So I'm super curious as a, an Ohio state fan, I saw some chatter about this today on Twitter, some Ohio state fans saying that Ryan day has weighed in to try to make sure that Jim Harbaugh is on the sideline for the game. Are you guys- I'm in the, the athletic director? I read this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are you guys, I'm so, like, so curious about that perspective. Is that your perspective? Would you like to see 100%. there? And- yeah, well, absolutely. I mean. Give, give them no excuse, right? Yeah, no excuse. We want Harwell there. I mean, it, absolutely. Everyone's still signed. Everyone, you know, this is this has gotten way out of hand. And it, it's starting to get way too much attention media-wise and, and everywhere else. And, you know, just put the earpiece in their, their head, get, this will never be a factor. Like, <laughs> I mean, we'll, I'm sure we'll discuss that later, but it's just, it's so asinine to me at this point. And I mean, everyone's still signing. Everyone tries to get an advantage. If you're not doing that, you're not coaching right. And now, you know, the infiltration of the sideline, whether or not he had anything to do with it or not, that's a little above and beyond, uh, you know, we get it, but again, you still got to run the play. You still got to stop it. And to, in my opinion, yes, I want Jim Harbaugh on the sideline. Uh, I want to play Michigan at their best and, and beat them in Ann Arbor. And, you know, if, if they're not at their best and all this distraction, I mean, you know, there's always that chance of what if. Well, let me ask you guys this. You know, Fox is an interested uh, party, naturally. They had stated, and, you know, just this may have been just campfire talk, but one of the hosts had said that she would like to have a Harbaugh cam set up and actually, like, during the game, actual words and either consult with Jim Harbaugh, notoriously <laughs> stoic and, and tight As he's lip, five inches from the screen? Or, what's that? As he's five inches from the screen, like he said he was. I, you know, just watching the game, like, uh, you know, Mystery Science Theater 3000. You guys are too young for that, but uh, that used to be a show. But anyways, just like dogging Beavis and Butthead style from watching the game. um, I mean, I imagine that would get the highest ratings of all time for a collegiate sport. But could that be a real possibility? Question one and question two. Would Harbaugh do it just to say, 
the rest of you guys and or would that just a slippery slope god knows what happens next after that i, I go ahead i'll let you go tom no go no go for it go i don't think harba is ever gonna go for that i mean you can't even get the man to engage in an interview after the game like he will say nothing. He will like throw JJ McCarthy or the nearest player out there. Talk, say, talk, talk to, to this, this guy. guy. Talk yeah. to this guy, right? Like that's mm-hmm. like, our like second most famous quote is talk to this guy. Like there's no way he's going to want to be a spectacle. He's going to want to be filmed. And I don't blame him like that. If you're, if you are watching a team that you love, that you're basically a father to the way that Jim Harbaugh is to that team, like, it is deeply personal. First of all, it's deeply personal that you can't be there. Mm-hmm. And it's even more personal that you, you're you watching them. Like, I I don't think he would ever go for it. I, I think you could offer the man a billion dollars. I think you could get Saudi money up in there. And <laughs> there was a... Uh... There was talk about that. Hey, 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 hey we, we call that Jimbo Fisher money nowadays. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Sure as hell is now a Fox yeah. reporter, and yeah. that was her. Like, you know, regardless, they're going to try to make him part of it in some way, shape, or form. So I just thought, you know, I couldn't even see that. But then again, it could be an ultimate fu, especially if he was on his way out. And we'll get to that. But I mean, two things. Let's say he is not allowed to be on the sideline. Rob Chain, what happens next this Saturday at Maryland? Because you know he's going to let his feelings be known. And then I'll, I'll, I'll come to – and Tom as well, and, and maybe Michelle and Rob as to the legal aspects. But right now, hypothetically speaking, he is not allowed to be on the sidelines Saturday. Look, First, what does that mean for the game? And then secondly, legally – and on down the line. I know those uh, are open-ended, but. Yeah, so for the game, it means nothing. Look, they just beat Penn State without throwing a pass the whole second half. Like, that's just insulting. Like, in Maryland, is no Penn, Penn State. Even, hey, they don't have Jim Frank or James Franklin coaching Maryland, but they still <laughs> don't have the talent that Penn State has. It means zero for the game, whether he's there or not. Um Legally, and we're going to get into this later, I think it – I personally think it hurts Michigan's case the more games Michigan plays and they keep winning as far as the irreparable harm part of the TRO they have to show. Well, Drew Allar, by the way, had uh, – he went 25 for 34 for 240 yards and four TDs against Maryland. Penn State beating them 51 to 15. He went 10 for 22 for 70 yards against Michigan. So it's going to tell you something about the levels of competition that Maryland's about to face. There, there, there was something on Twitter where they like, were, they were like imaginary like signs like, hey, we're running the football. <laughs> yeah. So, all right, yeah, we'll we forget that part then legally. Harbaugh is not on the sideline Saturday. What does that mean? What comes next? Um, like, Rob. Yeah, like I said, I think it actually hurts Michigan's case um, just because you have to show – like, I think it would be better for Michigan if they were like, if you don't coach, you don't get your game check. So if he's losing $400,000 a game, 
then Harbaugh as one of the plaintiffs can show, hey, I'm losing money. But if he's getting paid, and it, it may be the case, I don't know. But if he is getting paid as if he was coaching and they're still winning, it's hard to show what the harm is. Does, do you have to demonstrate the harm? Yes, you have to show like so. It's like so. So like let's let's do a child custody uh, analogy. Oh, I don't want my child to go with the the father or the mother because they're going to hurt them. Well, have they hurt them? No. Well, what evidence do you have? I just suspect it will hurt us. Well, if you can't show anything, then that's denied. I think harm is a really interesting element in this case because there's a temptation as college football fans to define harm in a binary way, like win or lose, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, like, and Michigan won against Penn State. Right? I definitely get the point that like, well, if you can win without him, then there's no harm, right? But But think about the broader context, right? We are in a college football playoff race that looks at more than just wins and losses. It looks at margins of victory. I think we can also look at the way the public has responded to the suspension of Jim Harbaugh and the fact that that has an impact on Michigan's reputation in the media, which is worth something economically, right? The fact that you've got Stephen A. Smith up there saying Michigan is cheaters. Look at them. I, I can prove they're cheaters. Jim Harbaugh has been suspended. Um, that all matters too. And so I think it's sort of short-sighted to think of harm as just a binary win-loss. When, but, but Michelle, can you show any of this? Now we're now Michigan's America's team. And so like Michigan's America's team. So, so you can you can be like the hatred is also fueling ticket sales. And I mean, that's hard part too, but like how much is Michigan made off of Michigan versus everybody? Yeah. Michigan, but like Valiant, like the players are benefiting from yeah. that. Like, it's it, it's $45 a t-shirt. <laughs> no, the, 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 the judges are in a really tough situation. It was like 50 bucks for the black yeah. shirt. Yeah. yeah. Would goodwill apply? I know it's usually a business versus an institution. I was just quickly that's out of curiosity, irreparable harm there, like, did you say yes? I think I think it could, right? I think it it's you can interpret it really broadly. Um, I think the question is like the court will look at the factors, right? But I think what the court will also do is sort of an eye test. Like, how badly is the Big Ten actually screwing over Michigan by doing this? And you can, I mean, the thing is, those factors are subjective. You can get a lot. I was a law clerk. I clerked in federal court for two years. Don't I can show off here. Don't I can take any side of anything and write it up. I have. I won't say yeah. who my judge was, but like he could tell me the outcome he wants, and I will find a way to make it appeal proof. So, so Michelle, tell me if you agree with this or this. So, if I'm arguing on Michigan's behalf, I say, look. If you're right and you say there's no irreparable harm, then Michigan wins out, they win the championship, and no harm's done. And you're you're on the right side of the thing. If you're wrong 
and Michigan loses and they miss on the playoff, they miss on this revenue, this is how wrong you are. So it's easier to be – like it's more devastating to be wrong than it is to be right. Yeah, that's one of the factors. I think yeah. I looked up today the Michigan factors for the preliminary injunction. One of them is irreparable harm, but the other one looks at sort of the irreparable harm factor from the other side. Like yeah. what is the harm of um, not – issuing the injunction, right? Not changing what has been done here. And I think the flip side of that really favors Michigan because you just get to see the football season play out as it would have, right? With Jim Harbaugh as the coach, with this team being able to continue through the season without the distraction. Um, it's hard to sort of articulate from the Big Ten's perspective the harm of well, well, let, <laughs> putting Jim Harbaugh back <clears throat> Especially, especially because there is even less evidence that he was involved in the sign stealing, and the sign stealing itself is not a harm, right? Let, because everyone knows. Let, let, let's hear your argument for the Big Ten now. You said you can argue both sides. Let's hear that argument. <laughs> I don't want to give him any ideas. <laughs> no, don't worry. No one's watching. <laughs> You'd be surprised. They're tapping uh, phones all over. The best argument I can think of from the other side is that it's not it, similar to how you can put someone in jail before they've been convicted. You can impose an interim penalty before an investigation is concluded. And this is not a criminal context and all sorts of errors can arise from equating this to a criminal context. But I think from the big Ten's perspective, they would say, we have enough evidence right now to know that an unfair advantage was gained from the conduct. We need to impose the penalty immediately to offset that unfair advantage. The best way, the best tool available to us to offset that unfair advantage is to impose a suspension of the coach. And maybe that's how we level the playing field. Well, let me, let me ask the three of you guys that haven't spoken. Would it be better for the Big Ten and, – and how does this sit with you guys? Would it be better for the Big Ten to let the season play out and then just say, hey, we're doing the punishment that we thought was fit? Or is that is that is that too, I guess, punitive if Michigan is undefeated? Would you rather see them do it later or in the midseason? Or how would you what – was, what is that – taste in your mouth feel like i mean i think for me it, it it boils down to due process that you hear everyone talk about if them waiting means that they've you know figured out all the evidence and all the information and they made a you know a logical decision and then they come up with it i, I i'd be more comfortable than them pretty much what they have now i mean this is a three-week investigation um clearly petiti was bullied into uh, forcing his hand and, you know, look where we're at. So I think if it boils down to, you know, was the right verdict deemed, we'll say, then yeah, I'm good with that. But you know, where we're at now, absolutely not. Here's the other thing, change your damn signs. So like if, if you know there's someone looking at your signs or trying, if you, if you're a coach and you're you're keeping the same signals and same signs, game in and game out, 
I mean, hell, all you got to do is put the film on and you can decipher what the signs are. Well, so, who was it that came out today or yesterday and said that they have over 800 signs and whatnot? And to, to tr yeah, to try and change that, expect his kids to do that. You know, James Franklin is just an absolute turd at every every corner. And it, it's uh, simple, even, simple changes. You yeah. can keep the same signals, simple changes sure. game by game. It's very, very simple. Uh, you just implicate one minor, you know, up or down, whatever. It, it's very simple to do. Or put but, put put communications in the helmets. Uh, that's uh, the, it, that's the easiest fix. But you know, I had someone combat me on that conversation today. But what about all the schools that can't afford it? You know how expensive that is. Blah blah blah. Mm. It, you know, I I get that point, but that was the, the impetus time, for the law actually in 1994. That particular bylaw that. That just, just let them throw an apple logo on the side of their helmet, and they'll take care of it. So I'm saying it, it wasn't a right or wrong. LI and everything. All this money now that you can get paid, like get a booster to pay for it at your school. Yeah. Like who gives? Honestly, buy Michigan and make Michigan pay for it. Michigan would love that. They would mm -hmm. love to be able. To yeah, well, I mean, yeah, buy yeah, their okay. way out of this. And I know. The conference. Yeah. Uh, it, it's I was just ridiculous. This is just, it's been overcooked in my opinion and just put him back on the field and let's get this over with. I'm, I'm so done with it. Is there a difference though? You know, I'd read those opining that there is a difference between scouting after the fact on tape versus touring a game. And that's how it differentiates from that. Advanced you know, scouting from, and from the Patriots yeah. or whatnot. But, you know, when you research and you look at actually the, the motivation, the impetus for the rule was a cost cutting measure. It, it was designed for, for the sake of equality that, you know, New Mexico state can't afford to send someone here and, and have a cell phone out and record. I mean, I think the biggest hit the law is, is in a state full of antiquated laws that has recently addressed quite a few, and, and that would be Michigan. Um, side note, I was researching a paternity issue years ago, and I could not believe they've, they've kind of stepped back into this century. But, I mean, there were, you know, laws and motivations started in, like, 1954 that were, like, basically determining, like, rule of law. And I was like, what? Uh, but, you know, a lot of changes have happened and things have evolved. So... I think a lot of people just like to hear good teams being in trouble. I know I do. And, um, but then when you look at this, you know, like, is there a difference between number one scouting during the game versus looking at the tape immediately after? And it's not uh, that opponent that you're playing this week. I, I mean, think their biggest hit was the sideline infiltration. I think that was their yeah. biggest. If it would have been him in the stands, or anything else outside of, you know, getting on the sideline, this would be a non-factor. Like, Are you talking like, about the CMU game? Yeah. Yeah, that was one game, right? And one game, but I think that's, in that, that's, I think that's where everyone ran with it. They took it and ran and like, how deep does this go? You know, all the rabbit holes. And, and I think that's what really blew this thing up. And then, Again, to Michelle's point, SEC benefits from Big Ten, you know, being kind of in the spectacle here. Uh, 
looking bad. And- oh, SEC circling the waters right now. They're like, oh, yeah. hey. <laughs> yeah. If, if They're like, we got all the money. We're just paying our coaches yeah. to not even coach. Right yeah. Well, well, I posed that I posed that question Saturday to to Robbie. As would would uh, what are your thoughts about Michigan joining the SEC? Would you want it? And he grabbed a beer, opened it, took a big squig, and was like, hell yeah. So. Um, Clearly, there's well, there's people well, waiting. Well, when you'd be naive if there's not talks going on. I mean, the border regions. I'm sure at Michigan are talking about hey, because because this this relationship cannot coexist now. How it is is currently situated. Someone's got to go. Yeah, Katini's um, got to go. Yeah, if this is the case because and, there's no way in hell we cannot have the game in the Big Ten. It, I mean, it's, it's one of the oldest rivalries ever. And I know it would still be even if they went to the SEC, but no, absolutely not. That's a non-starter enforcing the law. Like, but I was going to – you know, that's that's the rule. It is what it is. I mean, and plus there's a spelling requirement that Michigan tested out of for the SEC. They don't qualify USD and UCLA. We don't qualify Ohio State. Um now don't start throwing Ohio State into those those categories. Hey now, hey now. But no, um, be real. What I'm saying is though, at this point, you know, Tom and Michelle, do you ever say like instead of looking over here, like let's look at the actual issue at hand, and the fact that this really isn't much of an issue at all, and at that point, does it feel like a giant witch hunt? Yeah, I mean, I keep going back to like. I don't know that other than the CMU game, which appears to actually be Connor Stallions helping CMU more than <laughs> scouting for Michigan against Michigan State. Like, who gave him the uniforms? I don't know. There's so many questions there. But like, didn't it come out today that that somebody said that they requested him? Yes, that- I heard that. Like, that was at CMU's behest that he was right. there. Um, it does not appear that he was there really for Michigan necessarily. All that aside, that's the only thing that appears to right. be a clear violation of the rule. The rest appears to be potentially Connor Stallions exploiting a loophole where he sent people to games for him, which I don't see necessarily the bylaws being super clear about. Like if these were not people on Michigan staff, if they were just sending him cell phone video, like he could tell me to go take a video and send it sure. to him. And, that's what I'm saying. It's, and it appears yeah, like that's what happened. Was, 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 am I the only one that was shocked this was a rule? Because, like, I see on Tennessee yeah. sidelines, they have the, the curtains all – like, the, the sheets all around the play callers. And I just assume that's why they did it because people were watching. I mean, I took in my profession. First thing I do, I get a case. I see who's on the defense jury. I'm like, hey, what do you all know about him or her? And then, like, hey, if they're at trial, I'm going to go watch them and – well, you, yeah, it's, it's like that's scouting your opponent, public, right? Like, in the game, though, like they can see your signs, what you have signs for that particular game against that particular opponent. But in in football, there's always sort of been an unwritten standard of, quote, discovery. And the attorneys here can, you know, basically you can't pull any surprises out at court. We get to see your shit and vice versa. So that's kind of always been the way. It's not mandated, but. You know, so really at the bottom line, like what's excuse my language to the lady in front, but what's the big fucking deal? Like it's one thing if it's in the game and 
it's proven like the Astros did, who I hate eternally and passionately because they ripped my team off from sons of bitch. Anyways, and those actual signals and signs are being used during the game. And, you know, you have the mirrored actions against your opponent. But beforehand, out of hand, and another team, what have you, I, it, again, I, I thought there was some sort of competitive angle here, but really it's just so other teams who can't afford it, it's not fair to them. It's well, basically well, what it looks like well, when it was well, enacted well, in 94. The big story, the big, the, the big theme about this story isn't even Michigan and Harbaugh. It's about a conference turning on its school. Yep. That's the that's the big theme here. And it's okay. like, what do you do when your conference doesn't have your back? Raj, your school is about to be in this conference. That's how I'm gonna so, ask. I don't see it that way. Is it is how it can you not see it that way? That I mean well, you can flip it and so say I, this is this is admittedly, the, I have not seen action by action what's been taken and, and maybe the Big Ten wanted to get out in front of it before. The dumbass NCAA does. They're two different entities. Like that's what I'm saying, though. But like you know, hey, everybody before those idiots get in there, you know, and and they can sort of have it in their court versus no pun intended. Um, Did you guys feel like the Big Ten is coming at Michigan, and Michigan is? I I, I mean, in many respects, it. Let me try to refocus this here. It, It does seem like with a new commissioner, he kind of feels the need that he has to do this. Um, but what has pissed let, let's start here what has pissed you guys off the most about how the big 10 has handled this uh I, i'll go oh, go, ahead, go ahead i think the fact that they acted first and the fact that uh See, i know, like i well you know i don't you know there there's supposed to be somewhat protection there they're they're supposed to protect the schools in the conference versus this and do they really want this spectacle like how big of a deal is it just because you're watching espn headlines and and all this bs that's going on again i i don't see what the big deal is a lot of people feel differently Um, but acting first that also tells me that you know the ncaa and we've all talked about this before, they're losing so much power. Um, They're almost so scared to even make a move like this that I I think that's why they haven't. And maybe ESPN and all the media has kind of forced the Big Ten Commissioner Petiti to to do something like this. And maybe this is, you know, hey – we're going to suspend him three games. There it is. Sweep it under the rug, and now it's gone over and done with. You know that would be great. That would be t- you know kind of time served or whatever if they find anything. But I think and I think they act a little because that's what I see them doing. I mean, to stay consistent for our Michigan folks, they're going I eight miles. You call them out in front, and therefore when you know uh, when Papa Doc gets on the mic, gets on the stage, he's got nothing to say. I mean, they call yeah. it out. They dictate the conversation and frame it. They dictate the penalty, which ends up being minor. The NCAA is not going to do anything after the fact. I mean, for a number of different reasons. Yeah, but it. I still, I, I think they should have, I don't know, something done before Friday or on Friday and to reinstate him, to, to take him away from the Ohio State game. I mean, that's, that's the only game that matters. Like, 
I mean, that's... yeah. So let him sit back and get a pedicure. Uh, watch for help. Football in a nutshell. Not that not Dang. that they're going to be worried without him. I mean, they're they're like undefeated with him. He's not on the sideline or whatever. I mean, well, they're they're fine. I mean, but I could they'd be undefeated with me on the sideline at this point. But <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. But I'm asking these two Michigan folks are about to blow their top. Sorry. So, um, Michelle, you want to go first? To that original question, please don't ask me to react. Basically, you know, the Big Ten, how they've handled this. Does it piss you off? Are they kind of giving it a soft landing for them? No, it, it pisses me all the way off. I hate it. Nice. I think nice. it's disgusting. I think Petiti is a weak leader. I think a strong leader, you know, listens to everyone on the phone on their little special call, bitch and complain and says, listen, even if they cheated, it was maybe worth 10 points. Get better. Like, don't be embarrassing. <laughs> Shut up. Like, let the NCAA do this. Don't fuck with our Fox rights. Sorry, I don't know if I can say that. Um, you, can say you, don't know, we don't know if you can say it either. But like, feel free. No, you, you I, think, I think a true, you know, veteran Big Ten commissioner in this position basically tells everybody to shut up let the NCAA do its thing. If they have an issue with how Michigan plays, beat them on the field. Um, I think this reflects, like I said, weak leadership, and I hate it. And I think the rest of the Big Ten will come to hate it as well when they become embroiled in the chaos that ensues from the litigation, even teams like Ohio State, right, who hate Michigan, when they're, you know, if they win at the big house, when that win is questioned because of the off the field drama, frankly, Penn State, who had the most fired up Michigan team they've probably ever seen in Happy Valley, like they might have some beef with the Big Ten because it it just changes the dynamic in a way mm -hmm. that I think ultimately nobody wants. I For me, what what pisses me off and gets me is like like Michelle said, weak, weak leadership. Um, he allowed other schools in the Big Ten to kind of dictate what his decision would be. And if I'm Michigan, you know, that relationship with Petiti is, you know, I don't think is repairable. And how can that relationship with other schools be repaired? Um, that whole aspect to me uh, makes it, you know, difficult for me to look at and, and take anything serious because – you know, what's next? Are they going to accuse uh, Michigan of doing, you know, X, Y, and Z, and then here we go again? And uh, so it's just – it's quick rush to judgment, and and it's one of those things. Be careful what you wish for uh, because it could come back and, and bite these other schools in, in, in the butt. Cause... Well, 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 real quick, just, just hypothetical. Could you guys imagine the Big Ten suspending Tom Izzo at the start of the NCAA tournament? No, no. Could you imagine the SEC suspending Nick Saban? No, never, never. Or no, no. Uh, such allegations? No, 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 no. Uh, no. Is there <laughs> but, a way that you guys could be judging Petiti unfairly? Coming with his background, you know, being a TV executive, taking a new role after Kevin Warren left. He was uh, an MLB you know, guy. I've, I've read while, articles right? that it, it speaks to his credibility in, in calling this out not sort of sweeping it under the rug and, and, and in essence doing the opposite, calling it out, minimizing it, doing a penalty that'll mean jack shit for all intents and purposes. 
no, no, and, and no. thereby you know not essentially, or or is he sort of rebounding from that reputation that hey, he's a TV guy, he doesn't care, he'll just want, so he thinks he better do something. No, no, I just feel like he's damned if you do, damned if you don't for that guy. No, no, so, so Raj, this isn't Michigan doing an internal punishment. This is no, the, I'm talking about fatigue. I, I understand, but like you'll see, like schools will say. Hey, we'll get ahead of this. We'll do a self-imposed bowl ban, or like schools do this. This is the conference doing this. They're essentially giving the NCAA the blueprint to do what they want to do. The NCAA is going to come down and punish them worse because if they don't, then they have their function. Their function is nothing. They've got to show they have some sort of. They, they've often said that it's been handled, and that we don't feel the need to. To add or that's when, or whatever it was. No, but that's when schools say "fuck off," and that's when conferences say "fuck off." We're not you. You have no power. But when a conference gives you power, they will exert that power. Yeah, they will. Yeah. Like Michelle, like, like Kansas, UNC just said no. Michelle, I'm going to ask you to be that T Rex in Jurassic Park argument. Um, can you make a case for the little kids, them being petite, like suddenly somebody you were after, but all right, wait a minute. Maybe, you know, if I were defending him, what would you say? Or is that just like so hard right now you want to punch him in the face? Well, I can do it. I can do it. Um, I think if I were defending petite here, I would say that there is, going to be harm to the other schools in the Big Ten if I don't act now. The NCAA process takes too long. We, by design, have more nimble processes in place. The sportsmanship policy gives us broad authority to act, and we can. Um, and this is at least within our authority to do. Whether you disagree with it or not is fine but we can do it. I'm not just responsible to Michigan. Michigan doesn't run this conference. This is a democracy. This is not, <laughs> you know, I mean, some sort of democracy. You got my vote. That's what I'm talking about. Like, you know, that type of rhetoric. And That and, is a district where it, it humanizes. I know exactly. Oh, That's well, you may be getting a call, Michelle. But I, I don't I, want to call. I'll hang up. <laughs> hang up and listen. Uh, I mean, you know, in my, I can see it from that standpoint that the man is no stranger to controversy. That it, you know, I, I think he was, it would have been better because aren't, there aren't necessarily any ways to reveal collusion for him to call Michigan and be like, look, let's do this together. We are the bench, we are college football. We hope to be that benchmark, you know, absorb the other one and not the other way around. Let's figure something out here and keep those NCAA assholes out of it, you know. Something like that. I mean, they're definitely, I don't know what the laws would be in that sense, but, you, you know, I don't want to make the guy look high and mighty, but I can see where he's coming from. I also, he, he made, he came from a very antagonistic uh, standpoint, if you will, and I can see how people are pissed. And I don't know, in my opinion, I, I mean, just initially I thought he was calling it out, you, you know, defining the narrative himself, not letting the NCAA hoping to have something, some sort of minor, if you will, punishment, the NCAA would say, that's cool, and then move on. But clearly that has not happened. Um, 
I'm going to kind of skip forward here, but I'm going to ask each of you one by one what you think is going to happen next. Like ideally, what, what, what you hope will happen next and what will happen next. Rob, I'll start with you. What do you hope is going to happen next? But practically speaking, what will happen next? And we don't have credibility ranking. That's why we like to have cocktails. You say whatever comes to your mind. Um, I think I way worse shit on you than this. I think we see this as a sporting event, and we see this as a no. I'm, we see this as a big deal. We see this as a championship run. We see this as a Big Ten versus Michigan. I think the judge sees it as a temporary restraining order hearing, and I think she denies it. Uh, so I think Harbaugh does not coach next week. Um, I think it would be better – the timing of this is awkward because I think it would be better if the assistant coaches and players were there to testify on actually how much the harm – they feel without the coach being there, but they're already going to be in Maryland. And so even if it's just Harbaugh talking, oh, I think this is what happens. Well, you don't know because you're not the reciprocate of the coaching and, and the skill set and all that. So I think the judge uh, denies the TRO, Harbaugh suspended, and then Michigan appeals, and then we'll see what happens. I like it. Tom? <laughs> well, I'm very biased here, and I'm, I'm sure Michelle oh, is as well. Let's but, do it. Um, I, you know, I like what she said she heard today. You know, it, if if the TV deal is 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 coming to play, which there's money involved, so um, you work out some sort of a deal. Like, okay, he's recognizes a uh, possibly a, a suspension even this week, and then he's on the on the field for next week, because let's face it, if he's on the field next week, ratings are even more ratings are going to be through the, through the roof anyways. But when you throw Jim Harbaugh back on the sidelines, you know, that, that makes it that much more of a huge storyline. So um, what I want to happen. Uh, yeah. Is that uh, is all three parties kind of convene and, and, and meet in the middle, so to speak. So um, what will happen? I, I tend to, I tend to agree with Robbie. I, I think the judge is going to uh, deny it because she has shown to not show biases towards the university that she graduated from. Um, so I, I think as a PR stamp standpoint, um, it might make her look bad if she grants it for Michigan. So I don't know, maybe she does deny it, but uh, suspend them this week, have them here there next week. All parties are, are satisfied at that point. Shane, I'm going to come to you next. Then, Michelle, you're going to be Miggy Cabrera and, and hit cleanup, walk us off. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with these guys. I, what I hope happens is they get this thing figured out Friday, and I, I hope he's on the field Saturday. Uh, I mean, this is just, like I said, ridiculous at this point. Um, what I think will happen – Potentially missing this Saturday, uh, but he will be back for the Ohio State game. Michelle, it's all you. So you don't get very far in the legal profession unless you're a pessimist. Um, <laughs> it teaches you to lose. Every Everywhere else, you benefit from 
thinking the best thing will happen. And in the law, you have to think about the worst thing that could happen and plan for that. So in my pessimistic mind, I think he remains suspended through the Ohio State game. Um, but I actually do have a little bit of hope that they're able to reach a resolution before the hearing. I think I would honestly put like a 40% chance on that. If they don't, if it goes to hearing, I think they lose the TRO. I think he remains suspended through the Ohio State game. But I do think that that's punitive enough that Michigan does not see any sort of Big Ten championship ban or postseason ban. I agree entirely that just Michigan, Ohio State itself is, is just the aura surrounding the game and, and by title, name, and reputation will be enough in the world of college football that you take him out of that and what's next? You know, they're going to take his dog from him, you know, like his chicken. Football, his that's, that's, kind of a, that's a brutal, brutal punishment right there. You know, that's like, a, oh, wow. You know, um, although really in the grand scheme of things probably doesn't mean a ton, but I couldn't see them levying any more punishment, especially for at, at the heart of things. Although again, he's no stranger to, to punishment. If you look at his controversies going back to the football camps in 2016, they're all loose interpretations, bending of the rules. He's a, he's obviously a brilliant guy and he's not stupid. And it really was a witch hunt, in my opinion, multiple different times. Um, I think sometimes people just like to see what he's going to say and just to piss him off. Um, but has he ever done anything to give, you know, an unfair advantage? No, he's, he's done everything he's allowed to do and uh, basically interpreted those things in a very intelligent way and taken full advantage. And this right. is no different. All right, Raj, Michelle's Texas on the chat. She's got to go. Michelle, thank you for joining us. Thank you, guys. This is a well, blast. Really this was fun. awesome. Anytime thank you. Want you. To come on, feel free. I would love to be back. You guys are a lot of fun. Right. Yeah. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you so much. And next time I'll get here. Go Blue. Go Blue. American Standard Time. Yeah. And we'll have better questions for you. But All right. Bye, guys. Go Blue. Yeah. Enjoy. Thank you. All right. I didn't even see that, dude. That was awesome. Um, yeah. Guys, check her out at Michelle K4040 on Twitter. Um, I saw she hangs out with that that big game boomer idiot. I think that guy's a moron. Jason Brown. <laughs> uh, is that big game boomer? No, no. she goes on uh, Jeff, Oh, Jason, Jason Brown show. No, that's great. Dude, that guy is unique and I mean whatever you think of him, he's mad entertaining and hilarious. And the only white guy from Compton ever allowed her to survive, according to him, but no, I looked on Twitter and she had like a big game boomer dude had like referenced her and I was like, oh. but um, anyways, um, you guys want to take five real quick? What do you want to do? What's that? Commercial break. Can we yeah. do a commercial break? Yeah, it's it's a minute 19. So all right, that'll work Qu quickly. <laughs> all right, we'll be back. All right. We're Have you or someone you know been involved in an accident, is about to go through a divorce, or needs to file bankruptcy? There's only one law firm to call, Davis K. 
Kessler and Davis. Whether in Chattanooga, Winchester, or anywhere else in the volunteer state, they are the preferred law firm that gets results. Call them today at 423-267-7000 or visit them online at daviskessler.com. Are you thinking of building your dream house or maybe remodeling your existing residence? Look no further than C&W Construction. They are the premier home construction company in the greater Nashville area. Whether a new build or backyard oasis, they can get it done. Become the envy of all your friends and neighbors. Call C&W Construction at 931-636-3535 and get started today. Welcome back. That was uh, definitely a cool uh, perspective hearing from Michelle, uh, a fellow Michigan fan. Uh, it was good to have have her at the table and 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 kind of kind of spitball back and forth with with Robbie, who you know Robbie tends to use big words <laughs> uh, from time to time, as does Raj. Um, but uh, you got to have a it, and so. Sorry, go ahead. No, so it was really cool to have have that aspect of it, um, you know. And we are oh, for sure to have her come on and 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 make us all smart. That's for sure. Yeah, you know, from my perspective, it's obvious, very very bright. And when you have three, well, really two and a half legal minds, you want to. I kind of imagine myself being an interpreter to the rest of the country because I mean, she obviously has been podcast as a guest and, you know, she can speak and lay people and make it relatable, but Rob will just go on like he's strategizing or in chambers with a judge. And you're just like, eh, what? Res-? Like I haven't heard res judicata since like literally a thing we make fun of in law school that never happens. But just like <laughs> well, I, I think he pulled that um, out of his bag of tricks to, you know, make, he was make pretty him... proud of it. She giggled as well. but uh, <laughs> um, I figured it was some sort of uh, lawyer lingo and, she uh, uh, acknowledged or kind of uh, basically shook her head like she knew. If you if you've already been, you can't kick a dog when he's down. Like another court's already made you a dog and kicked you. Somebody else can't come up and be like, do the same thing against you. It, it's like this is already done. It's already been adjudicated. Move forward. Um, yeah. In the world of college football, there's so many competing avenues legally you know what authority the big 10 has the ncaa this type and that you know it, it's i knew our discussion would be very fluid but um no i enjoyed it thanks for bringing her on tom and and hopefully we can have her on in the future um just very personable intelligent and and even though you can tell her blood is definitely maize and gold or blue blue and yellow whatever maize and blue uh, that too. Maze is a yellow color. My bad. Uh, whatever it is, it's it's in her blood, and so uh, you guys don't seem to be as objective as those folks in Columbus. You know what I mean? But uh, oh no, 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 no stones, no stones. <laughs> hey, I, I've I've been I've been pretty middle of the road here on this topic. Yeah, Absolutely, he has not Absolutely. been biased whatsoever, and I admire. And I I as that. a Michigan fan appreciate that. Well, I'm just I'm taking it as if this was happening to us and like what I would want the results to be and what would happen. Yeah. Brandon is saying 
Failure to prepare is preparing to fail. Brandon is ready for this coming to Ryan Day's doorstep. Oh. No, not at all. I'm just saying how asinine this is. And when there's there's not a lot to talk about how the media can run with something in search. Well, I'm just amazed how much the Big Ten cheats and they can't win championships. That's what's oh, amazing. No. I'm just all amazed right, how UT became a basketball school all, all of a sudden again this year. Yeah, we're, it's basketball season. It, it was like, we're going to win the national championship. Oh, we're a basketball school again. Here we go. <laughs> It moves quickly. You got to keep track. Yeah, dude. It's right. inevitable, but we, we just keep jumping from one to the other. Um, all right. We are uh, – and that was a great talk, man. I, I got to admit, I, it's nice to have, even though another another biased individual on some level here, uh, yeah, just talk level. about this issue across the board and, and to get some real insight that Tom obviously is – abreast of everything going on and and michelle and then rob and even chain from a different perspective so i actually learned a ton there was stuff going on i didn't know about so that's pretty cool um i want to kind of step out to two fat outspoken media spotlight a-holes that have both one's been fired and one's about to be if he's not i have no idea how because he and his high-profile offense just scored seven points and lost to a team that had a running back for a quarterback. But let's start not with Chip Kelly, but with Jimbo Fisher and his amazing buyout, which I don't even know. Um, I, I'm almost speechless. Tom, why don't you start this one out and, and let the rest of us know how ridiculous this has gotten. Well, from what I heard the other day, um, basically Jimbo Fisher knew that, you know, it was inevitable he was going to lose his job at the end of the season. Uh, so he went to uh, the AD basically and said, do it now. I I don't want to keep this stringing along. Just do it now. Uh, but you're going to pay me. And uh, apparently it was unanimous between the board of regents, the, the school president, clearly $76 million is uh, pocket change to AM with all the oil money they have down there. So um, I think we can all agree. This is, this has been probably a year and a half, maybe two years in the making. It's just, it hasn't worked out. Uh, and you can't say that NIL is involved because uh Texas A&M was one of the first teams to fully embrace NIL and their recruiting classes have been top five for the last three years. And it, they, he had just hasn't gotten it done. So this was inevitable. Let's, let's get it done now. So recruits, you know, possible recruits can do what they got to do. Uh, kids can jump in the portal if need be. So um, it, it's amicable for both, both parties. Uh, uh, Robbie puts a stat in the in the text, and I put it down there on the crawl. He's going to get twenty six thousand dollars a day until twenty thirty one. 
Uh, and these eight years. It, That's it, unbelievable. A fired, wait, wait. fired college football coach is good. It is the best career. Wait, you can wait hold on. Did you just say amicable for both parties? No, no, it's amicable for one party, and that's Jimbo. He's getting $26,000 a day. Yeah. The well, they're happy years. to get his ass out of there, so that makes him pleased. This is, uh, now, as as you MLB fans know, is Bobby Bonilla Day. Bonilla oh, yeah. Day. Yeah. Bobby Day. Hell yeah. yeah. Except yeah. he doesn't get a million once a year for 50 years. He's going to get this at McDonald's Lots gift cards. Um, now, Rob, real quick, they're a public school. So with private schools, we don't, unless they reveal, they don't have to tell us what a buyout may be. AM is a public school, and, and it looks like it's going to be 76 million. Uh, three times that of the most other like disclosed buyout, which would be Auburn and Gus Malzahn uh, at 21.7 million X amount of years ago. And that's, um, that, that, but, take, take it, that's just Jimbo. That's not assistant coaches. That's not. So it, you're looking at oh, over a hundred million dollars yeah. for every, the whole staff. And did they give him an extension? One yeah. of those idiotic right after one year of okay, you get yes. 10 years. So, what uh, I got a question though uh, to your point, Raj, on private versus public. If you are private per se, intertwined in this NCAA and public eye, like do you have to disclose, especially if, if you know you're a big time coach and you're getting uh you know, recognition, do you have to disclose a buyout at that point? No, the, the only difference is, so public universities are subject to the Freedom of Information Act. And so their board of trustees, so like the, the Texas A&M board of trustees had to sign right. off on this. Where like, like Duke or Vandy or Northwestern, they can just write a check or they can, they, they can just do it and they can do it in private. And it's, but it's still speculated, I guess, yeah. in the public of what the coach is making. Okay, I got it. I was going to ask that because Michelle brought that up with that request with Connor Stallion. But if Michigan were a private school, uh, it it's a different story from what I understand there. Well, um, and the and the fact that he resigned now, like, there's no. They still fired him, right? Like, I mean, they're not going to no. be like, "Oh, you resigned." So well, now oh, we have to pay you more. I think it was you a know, forced they were, they were resi- resignation, but. Well, he didn't get fired technically, you know, it was the resignation. So by that, uh, I thought he got fired. They disagreed on him. Well, I mean, that's what really happened, but I think. Tom, do you know, and Rob, does this affect any money saved? I mean, they wouldn't do him any favors. If anything, to say if he resigned, I guess he would get less money. Yeah, you're right. I'm I'm not thinking. Well, and he doesn't have to. If he resigns, he, he foregoes any type of. Um, well, it would depend under the circumstances, but generally. But the Big yeah. Ten can't make him testify on anything now, right? Oh, he can't no, 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 the opposite. So now, so now he is not subject to Michigan's lawyers. So he has his own lawyers. So now if he, if he wants to throw Michigan under the bus, he can, if he has anything to throw him under the bus with. But if he's a Michigan employee, Michigan supplies their lawyers. Sure, sure, sure. So, but is it is it better or worse for him to resign? And him have, personally, 
have like the the Big Ten attack him versus Michigan. It depends on what what the dirt is and stuff because you you may want Michigan to settle with you and um. But anyways, let's get back to A and M. Yeah. <laughs> who who? Well, one. What are the expectations there, and who's going to come coach them? Brandon, who do you, what do you think? God, I don't know, man. I, I honestly, I was so focused on this uh, Michigan talk, I didn't really even get into Jimbo. Uh, right, Tom, I, I don't know who's gonna. I, I mean, not, speculation of Harbaugh. That's no. There's no chance Harbaugh's leaving. The only way he leaves Michigan is to go to the NFL. He's not going to another college. Um, that's out. Dan Lanning. That's out. I mean, mm-hmm. he's not going there. He's already made that clear. Uh, some of the other ones, I, I don't know. I'll, I'll let you roll with that, Tom. But well, I was watching uh, Josh Pate, who's a he's a YouTube he has a YouTube podcast show, and he basically laid it out that um, don't be surprised if names that you initially would say there's no way. Yeah, there's a way, and it's it's basically it's money. Um, I don't believe it's Dan Lanning because he's he came out right away said, "Listen, I've got all the uh, uh, ability here. I've got all the uh, functionality here. Uh, he's got Nike money, and you can't compete with that. So he's he has the ability to get the best kids in the country right now, and he's building a juggernaut." Um, Personally, I mean, who's out there right now that isn't coaching that could make an instant splash right away? And it, it's Urban Meyer. Don't and, say it. Come and on. With, with, I, hey, I don't want to see it, but that's the reality. This is Texas A&M. There's no, there's no, they have no bottom. And it's SEC. So um, uh, there's all kinds of smoke down the road in East Lansing that, that he's been talking with them. I don't believe it personally. But there's been a lot of reports, so um, and nothing has been said since. So I think this is a situation. You look at who you have: uh, Kalen DeBoer, you have, um, you know, Dan Lanning, you have uh, MCDC here with my Detroit Lions, um, who's an alumni, and and uh, the message boards out of Aggieland, they want him. Who I think they go and get, or who should they go and get? Jed Fish from Arizona. He's Absolutely turned Arizona around, made them a relevant program. Uh, right now, uh, he is he is an offensive-minded kind of a coach. No, he's not sexy. He's not the sexy name, and I think a lot of uh, Texas A&M fans are going to want a sexy name. But if you want, you know, somebody that's that's kind of got a great pedigree, who's you know he's worked in the Big Ten, he's been the offensive coordinator here at Michigan. Um, and has turned a program around. I, I, I think Jed Fish is is somebody definitely worth going in to talk to because those other guys on that list, the all reality is Kalen DeBoer at Washington building the powerhouse coming into the Big Ten. Dan Lanning, Oregon building the powerhouse coming to the Big Ten. It, it, their direction's already going up, and I think that would be a lateral, if not maybe a a, a, a smaller move. So I I don't know. Right. You're gonna throw out like Urban Meyer. You might as well throw out John Gruden. Like he no. could be the next head. No. Coach. Oh, Rod. Hey, Rod. Breaking Rod. news: John Gruden. 
<laughs> Raj, if you're the AM Board of Trustees, do you just go for it and say, Kirby Smart, here's $20 million a year. We'll make you the first $20 million a year coach in any sport, anywhere. You come here and here's a lifetime contract. Hell yeah. I mean, I, I think so they put money, like you said, and those boosters are crazy. I mean, they want to win. They're a laughing stock. They did all this stuff, all this hype, and they absolutely shit the bed. Um, you know, we talked about the two Pac-12 guys, DeBoer and, and Lanning, you know, another guy, Dion. You know, you're going to a place with unlimited resources. Um, I think you do – if you get Kirby and you really want to win badly, which they do, obviously – uh, you give him whatever the hell he wants. Make him the fucking yeah. president of the university. Who gives a shit? Um, I mean, and if and if Kirby wins this year, three in a row, why not go to another program? And, and yeah, I mean, I mean, there too. It, it's better to get it right than to get it wrong for these prices and then have to do it over and over again. Like, you might as well pay Kirby twenty million dollars. Make Georgia match it at least. Well. Uh, how many more bad contracts are we going to see, though? Like these guaranteed. Uh, I mean, yeah. this one obviously was the worst in college. We've seen Deshaun Watson how that's fizzling out. Like, how many more guaranteed monies are, are we going to have to see before? Well, one people I'd give guaranteed money to right now: Saban, Kirby, Harbaugh, Lanning. And that's probably about it. They give these extensions after one or two years that are based upon emotion mm-hmm. and they never work out. I'm going to throw out a few more names for you guys. Well, Raj, um, real quick. I don't mean to interrupt you, but I, I should have taken a screenshot and I do apologize for interrupting. Um, no, no. There was, there was a Colorado recruit that just decommitted from Colorado and he went on Twitter and said, Prime ain't going to be in Colorado next next year. That's why I'm leaving. I'm they sure that probably in, plays you know, into your maybe, maybe more Mississippi you State know. than A&M. A&M's not going to fork out, I don't think, that money for, for but Prime. Nobody wants to go to Starksville, really, and at least College Station and, again, unlimited funds there. My thoughts on Dion were that Norvell was a dead man walking, that even though they're doing well now, it's a lot of smoke and mirrors, a lot of tra- – uh, uh, transfers and whatnot, and that eventually, because they wanted to kill him coming into net last year, and eventually that was Dion's. But you know, I I think he's got outs in his contract at Colorado. I could absolutely see him going there, being on the biggest stage. They've already shown they can get number one recruits, you know, for years on end. Um, another guy people love with obvious ties to A and M, who. I don't see it. He's older and he's known for defense and their defense has not been awesome. Is Mike Elko out of Duke. Um, Elko has got legit ties there. Um, An intriguing guy to me is Jeff trailer, the uh, UTSA. Uh, Frank Harris led three wins in a row. A guy from Texas graduated from Stephen F Austin, three winning seasons. I mean, the guy can just flat out coach. Um, I guess it comes down to now is do you need a name in that area after all this bullshit and after trying to, you know, rub shoulders with 
all the name coaches that are in the SEC? Um, you know, do you need to get a Kiffin or somebody like that? Or can you go for an unproven up-and-comer like Jeff Trailer um, and, and just see what happens? I mean, how much pressure are these guys under, these guys being A&M staff? And, and do they succumb or do they make a smart decision? What do you guys think? Well, you just you just paid a guy seventy six million dollars not to coach. So that's my starting point. If you want to pay me to coach, I need seventy six million dollars. I mean, people yeah. say Elko. He was Fisher's defensive coordinator, and again, their defense sucked. Duke's defense is nothing great. Riley Leonard, their quarterback, leads them. Don't you want to get away from that idiot? Like, why would he be their number one choice? I, I think it's time to start dipping back into the well and seeing what you can pull out instead of, you know, recycling these coaches yeah. through different schools. I mean, you've seen what they can do, you know, situational, year or two, recruits, blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. Uh, I mean, you could get a new up-and-coming coach on a, you know, probably $2 million seven million dollars a year something in that range and you know shoot your shot instead of trying to commit to someone on their way out paying 20 million or 30 million a year whatever it is uh i i think they need to start looking you know some of these younger guys and unproven guys and, and just see what you know if lightning strikes I mean, I'm, you know, and Tom, Judd Fish, to me, he's a career coordinator. He's Gus Miles on, um, you know, I, he's always been a coordinator, an assistant here and there. He's a brilliant mind. The knock on him was, was, can he lead a program? You know, they had a crappy first year, uh, but I did notice what he started doing. And I, you have to color me shocked because he has done much more than just getting the right kids to run his system. He has revitalized that program on both sides of the ball. And I am actually just taken aback. I, I see what they've done in recruiting in Orange County. You know, they haven't gone after the Bryce Young. They went after the guy that got second in, you know, Orange County in Noah Fafita. They he's just he's gotten his guys that come out with a tip on their shoulder, and you're seeing what happens right now. Um, so I, I hear what you're saying. He would be cheap as hell too. I think the guy made two million this year, two point yeah. six. But you know, for A and M to make that kind of departure to somebody that is, uh, you know, not a name or quote unquote proven, that would be interesting. And that's really where we lie. And, and I'll leave you guys with this last. Lincoln Riley wasn't even on the radars. It was a phone right. call that happened with Mike yep. Bone, the AD, the night before he signed. Um, we still love him. Don't take anything otherwise right now. Uh, it's a roller coaster, but shit, you never know. So there may be that guy out there. Um, and well, yeah, we got the graphic Josh, up there. Josh Heupel was the same way. Josh Heupel was, we got turned down by everybody. And Danny White just came from UCF. And then it was like, oh, I'll bring my old, old coach there. And it worked out. That worked out, but Lincoln Riley had been to like four playoffs in a row and shit. You know, like, yeah, yeah, no, I'm yeah, saying I did, but yeah. do they go for a name or you know who knows? And 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 that's a great graphic up there. I'm just gonna say it right now, Chip Kelly's gonna be gone. Yeah. Um, who goes to UCLA? You got a lot of challenges there, obviously, with academia and the fact it's a UC system school that's great. 
Um, let me first question for you guys, and I'll go to each of you, starting with you, Tom. Is UCLA a marquee job? I think with it going into the Big Ten, uh, it's marquee in a sense that it's – I think – I think the Big Ten wanted them primarily for their basketball program. Um, and they have shown some strides the past two years. They've gotten some good good recruits that kid more out of out of Detroit here that's looking to probably transfer. And I know a certain team down the road that would love to have his services um, if he was to uh, transfer. But, um, no, I think it is. I think everything um, – comes to down to visibility and with UCLA, USC, Washington, and Oregon, there's going to be a lot more visibility. And I think it was uh, Colin Coward uh, said today that the Michigan Penn state uh, doubled the ratings of Georgia Ole Miss on Saturday, which it, it definitely uh, is did not astonishing. It. it did not double it. It, it beat it. It beat it, but not double it. Almost whatever. That was a boring ass game. But I was saying one thing about Fox. Two things quickly. I've been watching a lot of like crime murder shows, unfortunately, since COVID. And I was like, if they have body cams for cops, why can't we have umpire cams like running around? And of course, Fox brings Fox it up, and they have that like Fox Extreme in your face coverage. And <laughs> their their coverage is actually pretty entertaining. It's not the most like football esque, if you will, but. I was watching – they made that Penn State-Michigan game look interesting, and it was not fucking interesting. I mean, I like watching Michigan and Sharon and the drama and how they play, but Penn State is ass. James Franklin is ass. Um, you, you know, there was drama there, but if you watch that game on a Tuesday night and it airs on, you know, true TV, nobody watches it. There was, there were some factors involved. So I could see that. But back to the issue at hand um, – you know, I do. I agree with you. UCLA is in a good place, in my opinion. I'm biased. Of all those schools, Arkansas, A&M, you know, Mississippi State, you know, the 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 navy blue and 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 sunshine and palm trees of Westwood and Pasadena, you know, winning there leaves more of a mark than any of those programs, uh, in my opinion. But that's just where I'm coming from. Um, you know, those top three schools. It just seems like, you know, they they trade coaches. I don't even know what's going to happen, you know, at Mississippi State next. What about Pittman at Arkansas? Is he, is he dead man walking? I mean, he is a dead man walking based on his health and, and whatnot. But uh, is he gone, Rob? Like, what, what's going on with that guy? Well, yeah, I think he has run the end of his course. But I'll go back and answer the previous question. Please. Um, UCLA is the hardest job of those that just you just put up on there. Yeah. UCLA is a magnificent campus. It is in basketball tradition. They play their home games in the granddaddy of them all, the Rose Bowl. But it's in Pasadena. And it is hard for students to get there. You look at Chip Kelly there. It's Tarp City. I went there, UT played UCLA back in, I guess, probably 09 or something. There was probably 15,000 people there, 10,000 UT fans. It's hard to get people to those games. It's hard to get momentum. And if you're going, if you're recruiting there, how are you going to sell people for an empty stadium? 
it's hard to do. Um, I think they have a hard time getting a new coach. Uh, and you compete against USC, a private school, without the UC restrictions of getting kids in. And their stadiums downtown, Coliseum, LA down. It's every the, the, all the vibe of LA versus UCLA and Pasadena. Um, the vibe is like forty-five minutes from campus yeah. on a good day in traffic. Vibe is completely like different in basketball. Poly Pavilions right on campus, and uh, the Trojans State or basketball arenas not far off campus, but it's just no one goes to those games, and. Uh, at least not when I was there, but uh, it is it is just UCLA is the hardest, uh, maybe more of the hardest power five jobs. Even Kansas State, Kansas, there's nothing to do in those cities. Oregon State, yep. Corvallis, there's nothing to do in Corvallis besides go to the football games. Right. LA has everything else to do besides go to a UCLA football game. You have to command eyeballs yeah. in that town and – not to mention, like you said, it, it's hard to get to. The traffic sucks. There's 14 billion other things to do inside and out. And as hard um, as it, hard as it is to, to get to, it's impossible to get out of. No, it's it's a 12-hour day. We bring yeah. beers before and then after and uh, make sure someone has got a fake driver's license. It's like 14 to drive us home because it's yeah. a shit show. Um, I read that Pittman's buyout, if he got fired, would be 16 million if he got fired by December something without cause, December 23rd or something. Is that the type of money Arkansas can can kind of just ditch? And if so, that kind of means like shit, we better get a big name here. Am I right? Walmart money. Yeah, that's true. You uh-huh. would think. Yeah, I mean that, that's nothing. The problem is who comes to Arkansas? Like that. that like I, I I don't like Pittman hasn't had a good Gus Melzone, but Gus Melzone, he he's, he's the winningest Auburn. he's the winningest coach in Arkansas high school football history. He's already he's at Auburn. Him. He's going to Auburn. He's at Auburn. He's the coach at Auburn. No wait no no wait That's no not he's not. No, not anymore. They got the bigger cheater. They got Hugh Freeze. Gus Melzone's at um what Central is he at Central Florida or oh yeah Central, yeah Central Florida. I can't keep track yeah. these Auburn. Coaching carousels. It's one sleeve. He wasn't on another. Butch Jones. Tupperville. Butch Jones is likely to get fired. They say from Arkansas State. That's a possibility. Hey, uh, and and I'm going to go to to Tom here with a couple of Big Ten programs. What are the odds that Mike Lotsley and Tom Allen of Maryland and Indiana survive, respectively? I I don't think either one of them are going anywhere. because I think a lot like Arkansas, who are you going to get? Who are you going to get to go to these programs? Um, you know, it's it's it, because the reality is next year they're going to be left in the dust with with no divisions, especially Indiana. They're going to be middle of the pack at best. Maryland as well. So um, Loxley's a good coach. I think they're both good coaches for that program. So, I yeah, they're losing. What is Maryland five and five? Um, in in so. Indiana, Indiana shows shows fight every year. So I I think it's just a matter of getting kids there. Um, but I don't think the coach is 
Because who's going to go there, bottom, basically? I mean, they've had uh, Phoenix and a bunch of other guys. They had a couple running backs that were good. Um, you know, I heard the name Antoine Randall L, and maybe that's just because he's the greatest player ever going back to Indiana to come out of Indiana football. Um, you, you know, at this point, they're looking at former players and, and just hoping because the flip side is if you take these crap coaches into the new Big Ten and just get buried down that list of 16 schools, are you ever going to be able to come back from that? Um, I have well, no idea. If you're, if you're kind of a middle-of-the-road program like those two are, like why are you even attempting to try a coaching hunt with this carousel that's already going on right now? Mm-hmm. Like just – you know, keep it's gonna keep what you got. Yeah, keep what you got. You know, bide your time. Maybe somebody will pop up. But you got to Kentucky philosophy with Mark Stoops. Like, just you know, keep keep the guy. He'll have a good year now and then. You're not you're not gonna win the goddamn Big Ten. Like, yeah, know. nobody's expecting that. Just mm-hmm. you know, get your TV money and you know, win a game or two. <laughs> yeah. Like, all right, all right. The lights about to go off in my office. Let's get to the let's get to making the kids some money. Hey, last thing real quick. I'm going to chain Rob all of you real quick. This is a fact, hypothetical one. Fact. Coach Ogeron is the head coach next year in college football. At what school? In my dream world. Chain, where would Coach O, in your mind, conceivably be a head coach? Mississippi State. I love it. I love it. Rob? Tulane. <laughs> They're winning, though. Their coach no, no, Tulane's gonna coach is going to move on. Oh, you're right. He's yeah. going to be gone, yeah. even though their quarterback, Pratt, has really been key there. Yeah. Ending up with you, Tom. Yeah, I I, I think Mississippi State uh, is a, a pretty good, reasonable good landing spot for him. It, it's low-key. Um yeah. And he certainly could build up that program. Uh, not Michigan State, though. Not Michigan State. <laughs> no. Man, you take it early in the morning. What time's your tea time? What does that mean? Mm-mm. No tea time. Ah, the reason why I brought up Coach O is I was reading about Indiana and other programs that are like, eh, whatever. He won't break the bank. They just, you know, why not put him on the map and – why not send Coach O to Bloomington? I mean, nobody has anything to lose. So. Too cold. Um, it's too cold. All it right. does stop there. All right, let's uh, – it was a great talk tonight all over the board. Um, the playoff, the rankings haven't changed. We're not going to go down that route. Um, not a lot of huge matchups this weekend from what I recall. Um, although Chattanooga against Alabama should be a doozy. Uh, we'll get into those later. Um, yeah, kind of an off week, except for Georgia, Tennessee. And Georgia's only a 10-point favorite right now. And segue into Bet Your Nuts. We have it here, Tom. Let's do our Bet Your Nuts uh, quality intro and segue that you've developed. It's time for Bet Your Nuts. Awesome. For those that don't know, the three of us, 
aside from Tom, don't do shit except show up. And I barely do that. Um, so all of these interludes, graphics, everything you see here is courtesy of Tom. So you bring your knowledge. And, you bring uh, your knowledge. Exactly. I don't do shit. So anyway, um, the first game that we have on the docket, and, and these lines come out uh, when we research them. And I believe that first game is going to be the aforementioned University of Georgia, the number one Bulldogs, a 10.5-point favorite at Tennessee during the day, which does make a difference. Yeah. Rob, I'm going to start. Well, actually, we'll start with me real quick. Georgia, done. Tom? Uh, I think, yes, it, it matters, but this game's going to dip into the evening. Uh, which I always think game, night games tend to uh, favor the home crowd. Um, ten and a half, I think that's a high number. I think Nealon's going to be hot. Uh, I like Tennessee to cover, but Georgia's going to win. I just said that because if it's a night game, Nealon can go nuts. Yeah. But I think the day game does steal some of the thunder, as did getting their ass kicked last week by Cody Schrader. Nevertheless, chain 10 and a half at Tennessee. So this is kind of a transition game. It's some day, some night. It's going to be very entertaining. The UT fans in Knoxville will be up and ready for it. Uh, I think it's going to be loud. It's going to be crazy. But that being said, Georgia's rolling right now. There's no chance they – don't win this game by more than 10. Uh, I, I've got Georgia on a big cover here. How did Tennessee only fall to 18 after getting absolutely fucking slapped in the face? Dude, and then, I'm telling you, Georgia will – Georgia's going to boat race in yeah, England. They should have fallen way out. They couldn't bring do out, Bring out the Navy ships in your, your – whatever, Chattanooga River. Uh <laughs> <laughs> waving Georgia flags because they're going to vote. It's called the Vault. It's a Tennessee they're, they're, River. They're yeah, exactly. Without further ado, uh, Rob, are you still in love with Coach Bobby Hill? And uh, does he lead your, uh, <laughs> your volunteers Gosh, within it, Bobby. 10, 10 and a half of a – Damn it, Bobby. That's All right. Damn it. Oh, so I saw a boy brain. right. This is this is March number four against the Saving Smart like defense. Um, uh, he zero and three on the road, one zero at home. I think UT gets it done. Heifel has some magic again for these uh, wide receivers. Oh, yeah. By they win. No, no, not win. No, 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 no. no. Oh. Cover, cover. It's only crazy. Oh, damn it, Robbie. <laughs> oh, damn it, Robbie. <laughs> we got to get a picture of Hypo with Luann's, like, makeup doll that he would, like, make out with. And Hank Hill's like, oh. <laughs> Classic Coach Hypo. Uh, mm-hmm. All right. So, Rob is, along with Tom, taking Tennessee to cover the 10 and a half, whereas Chain and I think it will be a boat race. Next game, the University of Utah heading into Tucson against the suddenly hot, bared down Arizona Wildcats and 
Jed Fish. This is number 22 at number 17. Arizona at a one-point favorite. I'll quickly go first. Uh, I am just Whittingham is is kind of a wizard, and even though I love Arizona and their young kids, Fafita and, and McMillan, I got to go with the Utes here. Uh, let's go next to you, Rob. Um, as much as I love the U and the U being next to each other and all those T-shirts and stuff like that, um, this is Arizona's year. I'm going Wildcats. Chain? Arizona's year for what? <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, I'll, it's I'm going to go to the I'm going to go to the I'm gonna go to the Utes. They're here to not suck. It's like <laughs> it's like imagine you playing fantasy yeah. football next year and you have hope yeah. and dreams. <laughs> always comes oh, like like your potential draft next year will be uh, yeah. not. He's sucking. got no hope on that day. Come on, Tom. Um, Who'd you go I, with Brandon, Utah? Yeah. I think I think Utah wins last week, if not for uh, some mistakes that they made, um, and. Arizona wins uh, in Boulder and a, a walk-off kick. So uh, I think the story is great, but four in a row comes to an end. Give me the Utes. You know, I mean, if you look at that team, Whittingham, they call him the answer because he's converted like four different dudes that were backups at different positions. Um, you know, they've lost all-conference uh, quarterback, NFL quarterback and rising. Uh, they're two lead running backs. They're two top tight ends. A top linebacker in Barton, a number, I mean, like literally like eight or nine dudes that were the best at those positions and they keep on rolling. And even if they don't win, they, they just fight you till the end. And oddly enough, the only game where they shit the bed totally was at home against Oregon who looked unreal that day, but every other game they've been so competitive and, and, you know, you call them the underdog. I, I think, Arizona's in for a rude awakening. Um, this I, I want to take I want to take Roz to like a county fair and be like, "Hey, he can name you the third string running back for Utah." <laughs> yeah, where did you go to high school? Yeah. He knows yeah. seven dudes from your high school. <laughs> I don't know anybody. Uh, I don't know what I did yesterday. But uh, no. moving on. Speaking of those quacks, Dan Lanning, who looks like he should be fit, like Chris Pratt, but's got man boobs. Um, I, I don't like weird dudes that get overly excited like a douche on the sideline and, and they're not fit. Like, if you have that much energy, get your ass in the gym. Uh, sorry, that was just me. I have a Oregon, a 23-and-a-half point favorite at Arizona State. Uh, let's start with Tom. Home game for Arizona State. 23-and-a-half uh, is a high number. Um, I think Arizona State covers. Oregon will win. All right, Rob. Man, I'm. That's a big number. Uh, I'm going Arizona State too against my better judgment. Chain. Boys, these are the easiest three lines that Vegas is put out in quite some time. You got UGA plus 10 and a half, Utah plus one, Oregon plus 20, whatever, 
Give me Oregon's to boat race Arizona State. Right. You know, Oregon's Listen, mine is 23, though, right? I don't care. 24 and a half. Give me that. I'll take that. Well, <laughs> I, uh, I'll, I'll tease it on the plus side and make some money. Let's go. I, I got to say, dude, I've been really impressed with, with Dillingham and the game plans he's had to been able to devise being down so many dudes and how they've been competitive a number of times. That being said, I mean, they, they really should have beat Washington. They followed that up. Um, you know, a couple weeks later by losing 55 to three at Utah. Um, they don't really have a quarterback or anything else. Oregon's got to get some statement points. I think Oregon's going to win 70 to, to 17 if if they're lucky to score 17. Mm. So like chain, I am taking the Ducks uh, on to the next game. And this is the University of North Carolina in Chapel Hill facing their conference and state mates in the Clemson Tigers. Clemson is a six-point favorite. What's that? Did you say in-state? Uh, wait, Clemson's in South Carolina. My bad. You know, Carol- Carol- the, the Carolinas. The Not like Carolinas. Carolina and stuff. I don't They're even- kind of like all-encompassed, you know, yeah, north-south. Sorry. In my southern geography, it's just kind of like this snot blob that Somebody threw on a wall. It's like that's hey, as long as you don't call Kentucky the South, we're okay. Well, it's nah. south to me. <laughs> it, yeah, it's the mid south. No, I know where Midwest. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, Rob, because you called me out, even though you were right, you get to go first. Um, oh, UNC bigly. Um, Clemson's got they got cocky again. Davos me his ass kicked again. Bigly, I like it. I'm not going to call anybody out. Also, I am huge, huge. Um, yeah, you, you guys hard. like my meme the other day? <laughs> huge, huge. Uh, so if you ever looked at our damn text thread, you'd see it. <laughs> I will look at it right after this. <laughs> uh, Chain, you're up next. Uh, I have just be like, wait, we have a show in October. It's four <laughs> hours now, and um, minutes, by the way, from Clemson to Chapel Hill. So FYI. Clemson has been terrible all year. This Notre Dame game that they won was just a slap in the face to me, somewhat of a fluke, I think. Um, I think Clemson's going back to the old Clemson here. Uh, give me Drake May. Give me North Carolina. Uh, I think they win by at least 10, maybe 17 points. I mean, they both suck. And I don't know why North Carolina suddenly gets, like, favored. They lose at Georgia Tech and to Virginia. And then this is North Carolina. Then they beat Campbell and they beat Duke by two. And they're like, oh, you're you're ranked again. And same story with Clemson. They beat Notre Dame. And then they beat that Georgia Tech team who North Carolina lost to. So, Tom, am I crazy in thinking – Clemson here or is six and a half too much? Uh I'm I'm gonna take Clemson. I'm I'm buying stock like Dabo said two weeks ago. Give me the Tigers. They're gonna come rolling off that bus behind the goalpost and run down on that field. 
I mean, I, I'm, it's hard for me. Dabo, to Dabo's going to be filling out applications on his way out off the bus. <laughs> like, no shit. At Mississippi State. Oh, here we go. Send <laughs> an application. You turn into Might. Colonel Sanders there. I like Might. it. Uh, here now, let's just go on down. Yeah. <laughs> I'll leave that you one alone. Um, I think they both suck. North Carolina's defense is atrocious, but in shootouts, they tend to hang back and forth, and they can do it with that quarterback, Drake May. So I will take Clemson to win, but not by six and a half. So I'll take North Carolina to cover. I, I expect yeah. it to be a three to five point oh, game. Oh, going UNC. Surprise. I'm going UNC. Yeah, I like it. I'm betting on the quarterback, too, on that one. So Chain doing the same. We've gone almost like the same way. Actually, we have for every Chain and I on Georgia, on Oregon, on Utah, and on UNC. And the both you guys have been on ASU, Arizona, Tennessee, and Clemson. This is weird. No, Tom, very scared right now. Very scared. Uh, next, we have one more game after this. This game, the Battle of Kansas, Kansas State, going into Lawrence to face the Kansas Jayhawks. The Wildcats are an eight point favorite. Robbie, I'm going to start with you. Um, I call this the Texas AM game. Um, and I'm gonna go. Both these coaches are program builders, they've both done a great job in impossible situations. I go KU at home, fully upset. Yeah, is there any chance? Is Daniels that guy gets hurt every game? Is there any chance he plays or is he done for the year? Um, I don't know where they're at with that. Does anybody know? Not going to lie, my Kansas injury report is not up to speed. <laughs> uh, we gave that intern the day off, folks. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> they're off for the holidays. <laughs> yeah. Come back to me on January 1st. They're reporting back to work. He is now fired. Because if, if he plays, uh, man, I, I think uh, I think they, they have a good shot. But that guy's not going to play, let's be real. Um, the only reason why I say that is Jason Bean got dinged up pretty hard last game. So, um, what player on what team are you talking about? Jason Bean was the quarterback. Is this Bobby Bobby Bean is this Moneyball? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. He uh, he's done all right, but when he got knocked down, they got their ass kicked. I was told team. there was going to be no specifics, just pick a team. Apologies, pick pick one of the mascots. One wears purple. Brock Jayhawk. The other's a drunk bird. I mean, whatever. All right, so Rob, you're going with Kansas. Yeah, for obvious reasons. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Uh, <laughs> Chain. K State. <laughs> I am also going with K State. <laughs> We're not gonna have this is a no explanation. Here we have <laughs> I, I'll take can Utah? I'll take Kansas at home. Night game, eight points seems high. Give me Kansas. It is a big rivalry game, and both teams high, but it's not really that high. Ross, who are you going with? I went with K State. I was thinking though, when's the last time both teams were seven and three and ranked? 
That's got to be like 150 years. So 1942. Exactly. Exactly. So I I think it's probably going to be closer. Now you say night game and shit, but I went with K-State. Better players, better team. Finally, another battle out west. An uncivil war. We are ending with what should be a hell of a game. An amazing defensive squad and a team that runs the ball against probably the most prolific offense in the country and not in Seattle in that house of horrors that is Razor Stadium at night, the game of the week in the Pac-12. Washington at DJU and Oregon State. This is... uh. 7.30, pro- another thing that you would not see as a primetime game. This is a after dark written all over it for many years. And uh, I think the country is stoked to see what we got here because you got a very good defensive team and well coach. And that's a coach, Jonathan Smith, that's on everyone's short list. Um, a guy that could really, you know, he, he went to Oregon State, but, you know, if A&M can offer him money that no one else can, I could see him going. But. Um, I'm going to, even though I'm the Pac-12 guy, I'm shocked that Oregon State is not only a favorite, but do we have it at what, at two and a half? Two and a half. Two and a half. Can't get that one anymore. Where dreams go to die. Mm -hmm. That being said, I thought it would be the other way around. Um, You know what? Washington's been playing with fire. They aren't as good as people think, especially defensively. It's a night game in the House of Horrors. Give me the Oregon State Beavers at two and a half. That kind of scares me. It's a little bit higher than I thought, but I'll take them by a field goal. Even though their kicking game isn't as good as Washington's. Uh, Fuck it. Let's go Beavers for me. Game of the week, Pac-12. Who do you guys have? This is uh, there are playoff implications here for crying out loud. All right, I'm gonna go next to uh, who wants to go next. Chain, did you want to go? Yeah, I'll go because uh, we've been aligned all night. Uh, <laughs> I, I totally agree. I think this is where Washington gets a little slap in the face here and check back to reality. Oregon's the best team in the Pac-12. You are not. Oregon State is going to prove that to you. Um, Night game, this is going to be a spectacle. Everyone tune in. Oregon State, I think it's going to be a shootout, but I think Oregon State can pull it off um, probably by six. They've been sensational at home. Their two losses were to a ranked Washington State team who had just come off a huge win on the road. So the passing defense can be susceptible. Ironic because tons of corners from OSU are in the NFL, 38-35. And then they lost at that excellent Arizona team by three points as well. So road passing teams have been their nemesis. Just FYI. But they're pumped pumped to, to knock this team out of the playoffs conversation so this this is their championship and the beauty is after that 
you know, could they be looking forward to being at Oregon the week after? I doubt it, but. What if they do? What if they run it? Yeah. I mean, they run it. You got to put in my opinion, but right. um, Tom, are you sticking with your, uh, your anti-Rodman chain? What are you doing here? (laughs) No, I'm, I'm, I'm in agreement with you guys. September 28th, Utah, who was a, you know, a top 10 team marched in to Corvallis and got ran out of the stadium night game. I believe it was a Friday night after dark in the Pac-12. So uh, I like Oregon State here. DJU is making a run for maybe a draft pick next year. Uh, he's looked really well. So, um, yeah, give me, give me the Beavis. The Beavis to cover and win. And finally, we've ran long on this show. It's been a great time. Thanks to Michelle talking about Michigan, talking about this coming weekend. A lot of content coming out next. We're going to let you guys know, but I'll probably regret this. Take us out, summarize, and finally give an opinion. Do whatever the hell you want. The floor is yours, Robert Davis. I love everything about Oregon in this situation. I love the quarterback. I love the home field advantage. I love it's a night game. But I'm going Washington. I think they're a team of destiny. That's my pick. And now to take us out, um, great show, guys. Um, Michelle was great. I think we covered a lot of things in an unusual way. And so, uh Please, people, if you're watching, like, subscribe. We're going to keep doing more things like this, and we're going to keep getting better and better, uh, more entertaining things for you guys outside of the mainstream kind of sports issues. So thanks for watching, and uh, thank you guys for uh, being a part of it. We'll see you next time. Good time. Thanks for listening to another episode of Reckless Speculation. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, and YouTube searching Reckless Speculation. Catch us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. We look forward to catching you right here next week with another exciting episode of Reckless Speculation. Cheers.